Hey everyone, welcome to The Recruitment Show. We are talking about all of the major topics that people are discussing right now. Everything recruiting, future of work, and everything in between. I've got guests from all over the world to come and share their perspective and their thoughts and feelings and all of that stuff on these key topics. It might not be politically correct. It might not be what you want to hear, but it's people's perspectives and it's important to hear people's perspectives. I love storytelling and I think one story can illuminate a million more and really increase our understanding of these topics. So sit back, whether you're watching live or after, grab a drink, take a seat and enjoy. Real government. Uh, Go on. Sorry, the real government you're going to say. Welcome, yeah, Sean. The real, yeah, the real uh, government name is Sean Ock. That's, that's my real name and that's how okay. I pronounce but I've always right. used Sean because it's, it's, it's been so much harder for people to pronounce Sean Ock in, in right. college in America or, uh, you know, we ah. work with a lot of European customers. So, right. That's so, what it is. So you went to college in, wait, so you, where, where are you from? Where, so where you, alluded yeah. to, you went to college in America. <laughs> What's the story? Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, I, I grew up in India. Uh, right. I, I grew I grew up with my dad in recruiting. So my uh, dad was the country manager for Randstad in India. Randstad oh. is the world's largest staffing company. Uh, so growing up from the time I was five years old till I was a teenager, dad grew Randstad's business from like 90 consultants to uh, 2,300 consultants in India. They're large business in India. They're market leaders uh, all the way from, you know, blue collar contract staffing uh, white collar contract staffing, firm recruitment to an executive search practice with a few dozen consultants. They sort of do everything in this market. And so, so I grew up with sort of like a recruiting background. Dad did pretty well at that firm. Uh, and uh, that, that paid him well. And he used that money to pay for my ripoff American college education. Uh, was it, was I, it worth it? Uh, I, I still think it was a ripoff, right? I, I, I'd, uh, but, but I'm the type who would say that probably I, you don't even need to go to college if you're not studying to be like a doctor or you're not trying to become like an astronaut. You probably don't need to go to college. Uh, yeah. But so that's a personal, personal belief. But yeah, uh, we, we did spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on, on my college education, which is uh, quite a ripoff. Um, but I went to college at the Kelly School of Business at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, which is in the Midwest, a three hour drive from Chicago. And uh, and it was a big public state school with uh, 40,000 students and, uh, you know, I think 20, 20 colleges within the university. It was, a, it was a pretty epic American college experience, right? In a college town. So I yeah. love it. Nice. That's worth the money. A nice yeah. American college experience. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was pretty crazy. You'd have the whole, because uh, as anyone who's outside of America, right, you would watch movies and you would, you would see fraternities and sororities and that whole culture. And, and actually yeah. living through that is, is, is a pretty surreal experience. So I did enjoy that, right? That, yeah. that, that was pretty fun. So it's, it's, like you see, it's like you saw in the films. It is. It's exactly like that. Like you'd be surprised. <laughs> it, it is that crazy. It is. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty I ridiculous. It. I love it. And then after, so after university, you went back to India? Or, no. And how so, you... yeah, sure. So I, I finished, so the, I, I did a four-year program in about two years and seven months. Uh, the great part about America is you can take more classes and finish credits and graduate early. Uh, and, I, and I sort of was forced to do that because in my sophomore year, which is the second year of college, I started a startup 
uh, for local commerce. And we raised a quarter million dollars in venture capital. I was 19. So it was I, myself and two co-founders uh, and a quarter million bucks of cash. And we were still in the second year of college with two years left. So our investors were like, what are we going to do about this? So we all just graduated quickly. And so two of us graduated quickly. One of us dropped out and we moved to San Francisco to run that startup. Uh, we spent over a year working on it after coming out, uh, graduating, but we, it, it didn't take off. So uh, we, we all went our, our, our separate ways. One of my co-founders went to business school at Cornell and works at a fintech company now. Another one works at another crypto fintech type company. Uh, and I went back hmm. to India and started Recruit CRM, which is what I do right now. Love it. Love it. I had a great start. We've just started in India. Um, we've got a, a great really? colleague in Mumbai called Anika. Yeah, yeah. 1.6 billion cool. people living in India. What a Huge great market. place to recruit. Massive market. market. Very, very smart group of folks. Um, in fact, we just did, um, did a we did a podcast um, today, actually. And there's something like, I can't know where the poll was from. I think it was the Indian Times or something. But something like 75% of Indians are investing in online learning. And yep. there's a real sense of, of just continued learning and development and with all the stuff going on in the world it's just a, re a really good mindset and mentality and, and, to have and the demographic is insane we have the we have one of the youngest populations on the planet for for a country our size or anywhere close to our size right because there's no country quite <laughs> india's size because we're the most populous country on the planet as of a couple months ago yeah. uh, so there's a lot of young talent and and there's 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 a there's massive opportunity in, in utilizing crazy. that talent to serve the global market. Another, another interesting stat for you in India. So there's 58% of people who left their job recently left because of a toxic boss. Wow. Not because of career progression, not because yep. of money, da, 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 yep. because they don't like the boss. So I thought that was really interesting as, as like things that evolve in India and, you know, culturally and all of this kind of stuff. It's, it's super interesting. That was then last, last useful, useful stat. Um, I listened to a, a lady from McKinsey talk uh, a yeah. couple of days ago. Uh, uh, another um, reason in, in India, and this is this yeah. is unique in India, right? Because of the population pyramid and because of the demographics, where every year you have more young people hitting the workforce than you did the year before, right? Which is very unique. And and uh, there's a huge price escalation as people go from year one to year ten. For example, uh, you can large tech companies in India can probably hire uh, an entry-level engineer, uh, not not the top 1% of engineers, but like a middle-of-the-pack engineer in yeah. India today, anywhere from four or $5,000 a year to like $8,000 a year, right? Which is crazy. But oh, yeah. uh, and they're decent yeah. and they're good engineers, right? I mean, these uh, are good engineers. Uh, the, 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 these, are, these, these are middle of the pack. So these aren't quite the engineers that, like Amazon or Apple would hire, or even we would hire at Recruit CRM. But like they're still getting hired at like the big ID outsourcing companies like TCS and Infosys and Cognizant and, and so on. So these are the yeah. ones doing all the hardcore back office stuff, not building products, okay. but delivering services. But the crazy thing is most of these people would uh, effectively double their salaries within two to three years. And um. then they would double their salaries again in another three to four years. That doesn't happen in Western markets. So if someone no, starts no, no. at X thousand pounds in the UK, six years in, they're not making four X. That's no, not no, 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 no. Here it's very. No, how long? How long will that last in India for? There, I mean, they'll come to a point where. Yeah. So, so what happens is, the growth is very steep if you were if you're above average, because uh, 
because the huge challenge in India is we have a huge amount of like latent talent, right? Uh, but we still, and, and you see a lot of the top tier talent. So when, when you see a lot of the, the Indians who go to Oxford and LSE, you know, in, in, or in, in Harvard or, or Cornell, that's the top 0.1% of talent. But if you take the average talent, they haven't had the resources and the education and schooling that's required to truly be top tier engineers. So if you're doing well, you can really go all the way up to like $70,000, in India without having to leave the country over 10, yeah. 12, 13 years. So you could go from being a 22-year-old making what is considered very low income in the Western world to a 32, 33-year-old making a globally competitive wage. And then you normalize. Which goes, which goes yeah. far locally, right? Yeah, which goes very far locally. Because if you're making $100,000 or $80,000 in India, you have a chauffeur, you have a cook, you have a maid, you have uh, you have a lot, uh, which you which you don't which you don't at similar levels of compensation in in in, in London or in New York City. Yeah, absolutely. And are you still seeing then p- people leave India for better opportunities? Because there's been always sure. been the case. But sure, at lower rates though. Oh, okay, right. So slowed. Okay, so, it's slowed. Yeah. So the thing is back in the good old days in the 90s and in in the early 2000s because i have a lot of fam so uh, another unique stat in my family i am the only person of my generation that's still an indian citizen by passport right uh, i have no cousins and no uncles and aunts uh who are indian citizens uh and is that uh, is that and is that they went to america in the 80s and 90s Right. Right. Okay. And they <laughs> just gave up their passports and became yeah. Americans. Yeah. They moved to America in the 80s. They were citizens in the 90s or early 2000s, right? 20 years ago. And their yeah. kids are, uh, their kids were sort of my generation. Uh, the, the only reason we didn't do that is because uh, dad was a commando in the Indian Army uh, before right. Randstad. And so we're very patriotic. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so no matter how I sound, I'm never giving up the passport. Right. It's Good. just for no, very, your, yeah, yeah. Your, yeah. It's your culture, your heritage, <laughs> yeah. your history. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. what about now then? Yeah. Is, are as yeah. many people like leaving to US, Europe, whatever, or, or staying put now, or even coming back? No. Yeah. This is the crazy step. Uh, 20 years ago, you would not hear about people coming back. Today, you like, like, for example, I went back, right? Though I'm, I'm now I'm not quite back. I'm, I'm, I'm traveling across the world now, but uh 20 years ago people would assume it was crazy for someone to go spend a couple hundred thousand dollars studying at a college in america and then coming back to india that would be just ridiculous yeah. right the only people that would do that are people who owned like billion dollar companies that was families like had generational wealth right yeah. Uh, yeah uh but but you would not have a situation where someone that was well off but not quite like crazy rich come back yeah. that would just not happen uh, but that started to happen because there's so much opportunity. Uh, you know, this is a three trillion plus dollar GDP economy that's growing at seven, eight, nine percent a year. That's ridiculous, and is expected to grow at those rates for the next two decades. And so every year there's another 250, 300, 350 billion dollars worth of GDP created, which is consumption created, which means there's that much more worth of product you could sell, right? So you could, you could, uh, every segment is becoming bigger. Yeah, uh, every so, yeah. Back in the 90s, then let's use the 90s as an example. There was value and kudos to set to going abroad to learn. And let's yeah. say America is the example here, right? 
So we can learn something from the Americans. Let's let's send our kids to university there if we can afford it. They'll pick up knowledge and they'll have better opportunities, earn more money and things like that. Yeah. Um, is that still the case now? The economy is growing so much. Like, is it is first year? Are, are you seeing more people choose to be sure. educated in India if they sure. even if they can still go to the US? Uh, some for some folks, yes. So people that are getting into the absolute top tier of universities, yes, that does happen. Uh, also, what we see more of is uh, people coming back once they're in their thirties and forties because of a unique unique trend. Because of our population pyramid, as professionals, compensation the the difference in compensation levels when you're in your first, second, third, fourth year versus the U.S. or even the U.K. are huge. Uh, but by the time you are at a director level or a vice president level, which is 10, 12, 15 years out, the difference yeah. is far lower. And in purchasing power parity in PPP terms, you're actually better off here. Yeah, so, for example, sure. if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're an entry level engineer or out of a mid-tier school or, or, or tier one school, let's say, in India, and you're making $10,000 here, in America, you're probably making eighty or $90,000. And in, let's say in, in, in the UK, you make maybe 40,000 pounds, $50,000, right? It's a little bit lower than the US. Uh, yeah. But the moment you hit the director level or the VP level, you're making $120,000, $130,000 in India, right? As a, right. as a vice president at a, at a larger business. In the US, you're probably making two or two and a half times that. In the UK, you're maybe making one and a half times that. Yeah. So the delta yeah. goes from a 6x differential at the beginning of your career to like a 2x differential. 15 years in, why, but it's way cheaper to live in India. for the, Way <laughs> the, cheaper, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And if you have, yeah. and if you still have family there, there's yeah. a draw there it, to go home and things like yep, that. It, it's huge. And everything is cheaper, right? University is cheaper. Uh, food is cheaper. Healthcare is way cheaper. Like everything is cheaper. Uh, and everything is cheaper, not by like 20%. It's like one third the price, right? Yeah. Rents are one third. Everything's one third. Uh, so it's, it's pretty crazy. So I'm your lifestyle over. actually goes up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because imagine this, right? If if you're if you're gonna make half as much as you did in a developed country, uh, but everything's one third the price, your your standard of living actually goes up, and taxes are actually lower in India uh, than they are. So if if you're at that level in in the UK and you're making two hundred thousand pounds, your blended tax rate is about forty two to forty three percent. In India, with deductions and stuff, you're in the thirty percent range or thirty two to thirty three percent, and that's quite a difference. That's Massive, yeah. massive. Or Middle East, almost yeah, yeah. barely not paying anything, uh, uh, right? Yeah, I'm in Dubai. I pay zero. Yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. There we go. So, well, I mean, you know, tax is a big thing. Yeah. You know, it definitely yeah. the yeah. <clears throat> income tax, corporate tax, the whole thing. It's, it plays a big yeah. part for sure. Um, fascinating stuff. I love it. I'm, I'm really into India. I think. Um, well, we started there, uh, creating local. All of our, all of the clients we work with are global anyway, and it's it's really yeah. really interesting. I love you, that. you need to pick. You need to pick the right market in India, and you need to have patience because it's going to take a while for you to really oh, yeah. build something significant, right? Yeah. Yeah, but if yeah. you're looking a decade in, that's a it's a growth market, right? So it's not the market you're going to enter immediately and start producing crazy amounts of cash in a year. But ten years from now, you're going to make a lot more money than you did today, as it goes from a three trillion dollar economy to a seven, eight, ten trillion dollar economy. Absolutely. I heard Apple opened their first two i stores or yeah. Apple stores. Yeah. The yep, last couple recently. months or something. Yeah. Very recently, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. for the longest time, Apple used like resellers to sell. Uh, so they, they would work with local companies that would resell products. 
but you wouldn't have quite the Apple Store experience, right? That yeah, huge, yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's huge. That's crazy. When I heard that, I was like, "Really? They haven't been there before." No, they were. They just weren't there direct. Like you would just yeah, have another so. company, and then you would have like uh, a premium Apple resale, uh, reseller written on there, like like the the yeah, board or whatever. By the way. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they just—they probably didn't want to take the risk of managing logistics locally, so they would just partner with local companies, send them the product, and they'd resell them. And they do the thing. Yeah, love yeah. that. Love that. Let's move on to recruiting. Let's move yeah, on to recruiting. Course. But specifically, I'm really interested in, in, in AI. Like, let's talk a little bit about AI. Yeah. Um, I think it's fa- it's absolutely fascinating what's going on now. And what what do you think for what do you think about this? Like, let's talk about the CV and the cover sheet. And you've got yes. Yeah. Um, you know, you have people able to, well, you're able to, let's be honest, right? I mean, you've got, let's say, ChatGPT or Jasper or whoever you use, it yeah, doesn't really sure. matter. But you can copy and paste your job, the, the job description for a job in there. You can ask it to write or bespoke your CV. You can ask it to write a bespoke cover letter. Where are you on the value of a CV and a cover letter now? It, it's, I'll, I'll tell you what, what AI is going to do is AI is going to, at a, at a very high level, right? Uh, and AI is still evolving, including things like GPT. Their model's constantly getting better. Uh, it, it only truly hit the mass market probably six, eight, ten months ago. So over the next three, four, five years, you're gonna, you're, we're going to see it be far more effective than it is today. Oh, yeah. Right? So oh, yeah. that's the first thing. That's the first thing. It's not about what the tech can do today. It's about what it will be able to do in a year, two years, three years, four years, five years. What... What tech is going to do is it's going to reduce a lot of the admin work that you do as a recruiter, updating your CRM, uh, uh, manually reading through documents to find keywords, uh, writing emails and copying and pasting them 20 times. Like a lot of the mundane stuff we have probably done in, in our recruitment career, writing notes after a call, converse, after a phone conversation, all of that's going to get automated, right? Because it's going to listen to your audio. Boop, it's going to like write a call log a lot better than the re- recruiter could actually do it, right? It's going to write notes a lot better. It's going to improve yeah. your emails, right? Based on emails that have worked or not worked, it's going to say, hey, uh, Lewis, when you send this email and you use these words, you have gotten responses 10% more often than this other way you've been doing it. We're going to use that. But what, what AI is not going to be able to do, right? Uh, and you need to be a recruiter to understand this, is manage relationships, right? So what's going to happen is AI is going to increase the difference between the top consultants and like the mid-tier or like crappy consultants even more, right? Because in a hyper-specialized market, it's the top 1% of talent that makes even more money now and produces even more. Because what happens is their time is now purely spent what they're good at, building relationships, having conversations, and convincing folks. Because at the end of the day, an executive search consultant or recruiter's job is a sales job. And every minute that salesperson is doing selling on a conversation and not writing email and not writing admin is another, another minute where you can produce revenue and not do admin. Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, I think no, I it's a huge game changer. Yeah. Uh, so one of, one of the big things you'd see over three, four, five years as, as the technology is more commercialized and more usable uh, by, by, by your top consultants, you're basically going to see top consultants being able to produce 30, 40, 50% more revenue because they're able to spend 
30, 40, 50% more time having conversations than doing admin. Because today, consultants probably spend half their time doing admin, even the best ones. Or you try to outsource it. You get them a research assistant or you're like, eh. yeah, or you get them like yeah, EA and stuff like that. You're not going to need yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm all over that. So if, if you think about the root, absolutely. I mean, we, uh, while the tech does tech things, we do human stuff, right? Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all, all for that. I want to spend as much time having a conversation with a human as possible because it's all people buy from people. And you're right. Yep. And the longer you're in the game for, like you yep. think about the best recruiters that you know, they've been in the same space for a long time. And they've got some good mates and those good mates happen to be the head of talent acquisition at this firm or the CHRO at that firm. And you can spend, you know, like the people like to, 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 to use people and use their friends yeah. and stuff. And, now, and I actually have a converging, like a converging opinion on this. I think Go search on. firms, uh, people yeah. that are doing mid to high value recruitment, they're going to make more money, right? Cause they're, if, if you're a good consultant, you're going to be able to make more money. Uh, people doing blue collar recruitment are going to get slaughtered. Uh, because the less the work you're doing is about having conversations and the more operational it is, which, which is basically you're picking up the phone and telling someone to go to a certain place, that's going to get automated. Because you're well, not, I mean, it's also, yeah, it's no, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, think about those, those two, those yeah. two examples that you gave. So yeah. exec searches, you get paid for your time, right? We get paid up front, a third, a third, a third, whatever the structure might be. Um, and, and they've, you know, you're, you're an extension of their function and you're the consultant and stuff. The other stuff, the blue collar, you know, you're a, you're a, if you're in that space, you're a commoditized recruitment consultant. Yeah. You know, like you're not getting paid unless your candidate gets and, a job. And it's sort of like it's... investment banking, right? In investment banking, you have investment bankers doing IPOs that you can't automate. They have to have conversations with executives. They yeah. need to do a roadshow, show the company to a bunch of institutions and get them to buy in and anchor a purchase. That can't get automated. And tech will only help them do more. And then you have traders who are just picking up the phone and making transactions happen. That's going to get automated like hell because like that job doesn't require a human, right? A machine can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 massively revolutionary. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's it's, it's yeah. infiltrating everything we do. Yeah, and I think with with, with recruiting, you're right. I mean we 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 use it loads, right? For for a bunch yeah. of different things. I mean even LinkedIn and they've got some really cool stuff, so recruiters can spam potential clients more often with their email example. campaigns. If if you if you were in the executive search from Lewis, I, I bet you're doing uh, you generate executive search reports for your clients, right? Weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever, yeah. right? You run yeah. a search, you're sending them two, three, four, five reports. For the longest time, and I don't know how you do do this at your firm, but for the longest time, firms would have a research assistant, like a full-time employee, whose entire job was basically just making those pretty documents. And talking to the consultant, being like, "What should I write in this?" And I like the consultant sort of telling them what to write in it. And that now, so you, you're, you're like a million percent right. Yeah, a million percent right. The time, the time our team spends generating those lists has gone from like you know this amount to like yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And they can now spend time speaking with people, which is what our yeah. value is, right? Yeah. Um, it's fascinating, and it's happened so so quickly as well. Yeah. Like so so quickly. The way we source, the way we do the reports, the way we, you know, all of these different little time it's a game changer. things. It's, it, it, Massive it's a game, game changer. changer. Massive. And it frees us up to do the things that we really love, which is having conversations, making friends, talking, yeah. you know, all of that kind of stuff. What about for, let's let's move on to the recruiting process. So forget the recruiters for a second. Um, and just think about someone applying for a job. So they're applying for a job at your firm, Sean. 
um, and they get your job description and they're like, okay, cool. He's looking for X, Y, Z. Let me put that into my AI, ask it to write me a beautiful cover sheet and maybe bespoke my CV and then I can apply to Sean and, and see if I get the job interview. So that's happening loads now, right? Loads. Then you say, oh, oh wow, this person's amazing, right? Yeah. What a great cover sheet, an amazing CV. Let's interview them. So then the candidate puts your job description in the AI and says, well, what questions do you think Sean's going to ask me based on yeah. the job description that he wrote? And what do you think the model answers that he's going to hear are? Yeah. And, and, and that's also happening a lot. So yeah. do we think the CV, resume, the classic interview process is kind of dead now, but people don't want to admit it? What are your kind of thoughts on all of that? It depends. It depends on the role, right? Right, because the interview itself has a lot of bias, right? So whenever you're doing the interview, you, you have prejudice based on your life experiences. So when you interview somebody, Lewis, and I interview somebody for the same job, we I would care about different things, and you would care about different things. So it suddenly becomes very subjective instead of an Absolutely. objective assessment. Now, there are certain roles where you do have an objective assessment, which is like, you're an engineer, you need to do a coding test, and you need to be able to solve X amount of challenges in seven minutes or 10 minutes or 12 minutes or whatever. Uh, and in those cases, I actually think it's fine to use, use ChatGPT or other tools online, because when you're actually doing your job, you will use those tools. It's like when you're taking a math test, you're allowed to use a calculator, but you need to know what the formulas are and what formula to use when. It's not going to do it for you, right? Because... Yes, because you should be able to use the tools that are available to you to do your job on a day to day basis to do the interview. So Definitely. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I, I don't I don't see that being being a problem. What, what needs to happen is the, the interview needs interviewer needs to understand that this is happening and then adapt the interview to what they care about. Hey, what are the unique things that you don't you can't copy and paste into chat GPT? that we care about while hiring this person and we hire them and maybe even test how well they can write prompts because writing prompts yeah. on GPT or similar tools is going to be a skill set of its own. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's as good as the info you put in. Although yeah. there are some now that they have the enhance input button, right? Yeah. Um, so you can write something, enhance it. And, um, yeah. But I think you're right. I think you've got to use all tools available to you. And, and often actually want people with that kind of mindset, right? Who are on, it's like, on the front it's like lines. I remember when, when I when I started my career, right? Because I, I started fairly recently, right? I started working in 2016. Uh, it would be cool when you would find someone like an intern or a fresh graduate who could Google really well. Because if someone Googled really well, you were like, hey, this person's able to Google the right things and learn the right things. Now it's upgraded because like like you, you just yeah. you just talk to GPT. So yeah. the, the learning curves have gotten shorter and shorter. And what's, what we're going to see is we're going to slowly see people who are two, three, four years into the job being able to perform like people eight, 10 years into the job in many cases. Or even absolutely, or freeze them up to all these tasks we talked about yeah. for recruiters, freeze them, you know, freeze them up yeah. to do, you know, to do the stuff that's important. Yeah, because the concept is no longer you start your career and you do grunt work for five years before you start doing real work. You just start doing real work because all the grunt work's automated. It's done, yeah. I mean, who's you don't yeah. who's going to hire them? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, but for those hiring that don't aren't, aren't on the bull lay, because there's a lot of folks. I mean, you know, there's yeah. got to be. I mean, probably way more people that aren't up up to speed on this stuff, right? There's yeah. some VP somewhere 
VP of whatever they might be, who's like, chat what? GPT, you know, or they've just heard about it in the news. And it's never gonna take it's never gonna take off, you know. Um, but yeah, but they're hard. People said because that about of, Google as well. People said that about Google as well, right? Like 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Internet will never take off, Google yeah. will never take off. AI, you just hear it every single, all the time. Right? You'd have people who wouldn't write emails and still send telegraphs for the first couple of years and then be like, okay, this is really inefficient. Let's like, <laughs> let's switch to emails and we can't fax things up anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's great. I think this is the world we're in right now. Fact. It's not only going to, and it's only going to get better. That's a great thing about all these, all these AI tools. It's they're good now. They're going to be even, I mean, you said it yourself, like, you know, five years time, whatever. I mean, it, it's, it's just like, it's like there's still a debate on remote work today, but in five years, the market itself will dictate what's right and what works and what doesn't work. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think for you and, and for people now hiring or in senior leader positions, yeah. and stuff, it's, you've got it. You've got to flow with these things, right? And just because yeah. it wasn't like that five years ago or four yeah. years ago, you know, it's things are changing now. So you have an eye to the future, but also the present, right? What is it like right now? You know, it's, 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 it's today, right? And you want to you wanna hire the best folks and you've got to just take the time to think about what that looks like and what your interview process looks yeah. like. Uh, like, for example, example, you said you just hired someone in India, right? I imagine when you hired someone in India, you didn't go fly to India, set up an office, rent it out, go to the government office, create a company, create a bank account, spend six months doing that, then hire the first person. I bet you did not do that. But if you if you were doing the same thing ten years ago in 2013, that's what you would have to do because there's no way you would just get on a video call on WebEx or Skype or whatever and say, okay, you're hired. I want to wire you money every month. Let me tell you, I, 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 I mean, we're fully remote now. I don't care where anyone's based. And so yeah. Annika replied for our job. Annika Aurora in Mumbai. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's wonderful. And and you know we yeah. decided the kind of things we're looking for. Many of those things were the soft skills or human skills. You know, a lot of the other stuff you can teach, but she had it. I mean, she had, had it all. And, and and that's it. I didn't go there. She's been here a few times. I haven't been there yet, but we hired a remote. Done. Now, now you're right. Like maybe five years ago, I would wouldn't have, have done that. I, we wouldn't have done that. Yeah. You'd freak out. You'd be like, that's just weird. Like, well, let's just focus on what we have here. Let's focus on the people that can drive to work or take the metro to work within 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Yeah, and yeah. That, that limits your talent pool. Yeah, let me tell you, it was it's incredible. Like, she's an incredible person. Yeah. Does a great job. Um, it has so many benefits for um, for our company. And for me, my mindset now is I give people my trust off the bat, and you yeah. go from there. And and the classic is you know earn my trust. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's it. And now it's just let, let's and you can if you can measure their success and outcomes and things. Who cares when and where they work? Doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. It's awesome. I love it. Do you guys on you? Do you, are you guys fully remote? How, yes. how are you structured now? You fully remote. We're, as well? we're, we're remote only. So we were we were first office only till COVID hit us, or a few weeks right. before COVID hit us. Um, the, the fun fact: Recruit CRM is a family-owned software company. I started it with my dad, who has uh, staffing and recruiting experience. So it's I and him. We own the company. We're bootstrapped. Uh, and uh, when when COVID hit us, we were about eighteen people in the office. Uh, all together. And our philosophy was if someone's coming to work, they wear a suit and they drive to work. Or if they're not, if they're not selling, they're not wearing a suit, but they're still wearing formals and they're 
driving, commuting, taking the train, whatever to work. And they have to be at work, you yeah. know, between nine and 10 AM and they get out at like five, six, seven. Like it was a very, very, you know, you, you scan your ID card to come in like very boring, traditional uh, structure. Classic. You know, COVID happened. Uh, and then we, we had to go remote. So we set up all of the tools and stuff to go remote. We read about what we need. How do we, how do you, how do you track performance? How do you set KPIs? How do you, how do you run all hands and stuff like that? Uh, a month into COVID and the company being remote, I, I and dad were sitting at home and we looked at each other and we were like, this is awesome, right? Because we feel like <laughs> people, people are like more productive now than they were before. It's uh, amazing. And, 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 and we're, we're a hardcore company, right? Like well, when I say that, I mean, like we, we believe people should be able to work whenever they want to work, uh, however they want to work, but we track when they work. So we, 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 we use Hubstaff, which is, which is a tracking tool. Uh, people and people basically clock in and clock out on 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 their computer whenever they want to work or not want to work. They can yeah. work in the mornings, afternoons, nights, whenever they want. But we want them to clock it, so it's like an online timesheet, basically. Yeah, yeah. effectively, and yeah. that's important important because if you're trying to rapidly scale, so we went from 18 people in 2020 to about 150 people now. Perfect. Uh, yeah. And and we went those 18 people were just in one city. Now we're in 53 locations. And so we, we use this 18 in India to start with? 18 in India to start with, but now the 150 are across five countries on nice. five nice. continents, all, all continents, all time zones. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, it's yeah. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And so, uh, interesting whether you would have had that kind of growth and success. We wouldn't. We wouldn't. Uh, we, we, we might have had that revenue growth, but like setting up those, I'll, I'll give you one clear example, right? We might have even grown this much, but we would have raised venture capital. Uh, so we are one of those few software companies that's over 5 million bucks in revenue uh, in subscriptions, not even revenue, just subscription revenue uh, right. and has ha, had never raised venture capital. We've not raised a dollar. Uh, really? And, wow. Yeah. That's, and good. Not, that's very good. And we've, and we've not even put in that much of our own money. Like, you know, we, we put in like probably sixty seventy thousand dollars that put in when we started this. We have over a couple million in the bank now just from operations. And we've never yeah. had to raise money because we make money every month. We make, you know, we, we operate at 30 plus percent cash flow margins every single month. We, you know, 30 percent of what revenue we collect adds to the bank balance every single month. And Brilliant. that wouldn't have been possible if we weren't remote, because if we weren't remote, uh, the moment we would say that, hey, we need a European presence and we need someone who speaks French, we would say, okay, now we need to set up a company in France and we need a lawyer in France and then we need an accountant in France and then we need to fly to France or send someone from our existing team to France who knows nothing about French culture, go there, yeah. build an office, hire five people, build a hub. That costs a lot of time, money and effort, right? And 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 if you need to do that, we have, we have French-speaking team members, we have Portuguese-speaking team members, we have Spanish-speaking team members, we have people in Brazil, we have people in El Salvador, we have people in Mexico, um, I'm, I'm in Dubai, you know, we have people in, 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 in Africa, like it, it's so much effort, right? It, it wouldn't happen. It's massive. And, and for those, yeah. and just, just as a quick note for those that are listening that don't know, most tech firms, if not all, are raising every 18 months and they're not yes. making any money. And they yeah. have to have an event to make money. Yeah. So neither so, sell, PE, IPO, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we, we make we make over a couple million dollars in free cash flow every single year uh, and more and but, growing, right? We'll probably make more the next 12 months. Uh, but, but the thing is, if we were on the traditional venture track, 
to get to five plus million in subscriptions, the average venture back company is raising between 10 to $15 million. And they've probably burned most of it <laughs> by to get and to this point. Most of the company for that. Yes. Uh, yep. In, uh, and that's normally across three rounds. You raise a couple million in your seed, then you raise a five or six million series A, when you're at a million or two in subscriptions. And then by the time you get to our stage, you're raising maybe another 10 or $15 million. So you're raising 15, yeah. 16, 17 million, off which you burn like 10 or 12 to get here. And, and that's still a good outcome. Yeah. Mentally, it must be very tiring burning a million pounds a month. Can you imagine? It, it's I beyond mean... stressful. I can't even imagine it. Like, <laughs> no. I, I, I like making 150,000 pounds a month in profit, right? Like, Who doesn't like I, to make money, right? I mean, yeah, the game, yeah. it, it's a business. You're supposed to make money, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and you sell yourself the dream, right? You're like, no, no, no. This is a growth company. So we keep burning money for the next four years and we keep stressing ourselves out. And you count a zero cash date. You're like, hey, we're going to run out of money in nine months. And so I need to start raising money and need to keep. And imagine the amount of time you waste trying to raise money. Because most founders I've talked to that are my stage spend about 20 to 30% of their time across the year just fundraising, which means you're not talking to your customers or working on your product. Probably more than that. Yeah. Probably and you more. spend, and, and in today's market, more than that, because it's, it's not as easy and you have to pitch yeah. like 100 people. And then, and you, then you do these board meetings and, you know, investors are great in understanding the mechanics of raising more money. Investors are terrible in terms of understanding your business because they don't, they've not really done your business. So they, even if you go to a soft, like I run a software company, if you go to a software investor, they understand the mechanics of a software business, but they'll know nothing about recruiting or building software for recruiting or, you know, so you're going to a board meeting and trying to explain to them what you're trying to build. Right. And you're explaining yeah. to them what a cover sheet is, for example, in, 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 in many cases, or what a long list is and what a short list is and what a search report is and, and so on and so forth. And it's just an absolute waste of time because that's time you could have spent recruiting for your team, selling to new customers, making existing customers happy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Great. Love that. If you can do it the way you've done it and I've done the same. I mean, we haven't yeah. taken any investment either. And we've built it and, and it's great. Um, many people, though, they have to raise cash, I guess. Yeah. You know, they, developing something need sure. money, if, you know. yeah if you're building the next chat gpt and you need like millions of dollars worth of chips just to process that data model sure yeah. you need gpt if you're trying to build the next uber yeah maybe you, need, you know or the amazon and you need fulfillment yeah. centers and you need on-demand operations sure but if you're starting the next business software company right uh, where you're selling software you're not making physical products or you're running you're starting a new recruiting firm why would you sell 30, 40, 60, 70% of your company when you should just be going out there and selling your services and making money the first couple months? Absolutely. Uh, and also, can I just give you, let you in a yeah. secret? It's really yeah. fun too. Like it's fun. Yeah. Like this yeah. process of doing business and making money yeah. and building. And it doesn't have to be like, a you know, the, the end thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You go through, you enjoy the process and the process the process instantly becomes fun the moment you're cash flow positive because the moment you're cash flow positive on either a monthly or quarterly or even yearly basis, you're immortal as a company. So your company ain't going to die or is not going to die till unless you screw it up. <laughs> and so uh, versus if you're on the venture track, you're generally burning money because you need to chase these crazy growth rates. You need because uh, venture capital investors need you to do triple, triple, double, double, double which means your business needs to be tripling every single year and to grow to triple every single year, you need to burn a lot of money, right? Cause you need to be tripling your headcount. You need to be tripling your customers. 
it, a lot of things break when you're trying to run that fast. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. So, yeah. and, and, then you have, you're, and then you have to go back to your customers and try to increase prices on them or something if you're not growing. And it puts you on this negative spiral where you're just, you have a lot of angry stakeholders. Man, it's tiring. I think if you're in that game, and I know many, many are, many are. Yeah, so, many. You know, but to not, not to knock it, most are. Most, most are. are. But if you, can, if you can start a business and do it in the right way and have patience and have a long term yeah. view, yeah, and, really and, and, yeah, and that model works if, if your horizon is like a five, six, seven year horizon and you're hoping to get out and get a big exit and you own 10% of $100 million or $200 million or whatever. But the thing is only like five, three, four, five, six percent of companies make it there. Out of all the companies that raise money, I think uh, I, I read a stat somewhere that over 90% of venture capital returns are driven by 2% of the investments or 2% of the companies. So if you're not those 2% of companies, you're probably not making a lot of money. At best, you're returning money back to your investors and, and oh, you're not yeah. happy. I mean, and it, it, it's far harder. I, I feel like it's harder running a venture-backed company than a non-venture-backed company once you you've got the, get to you've your got the pressure. Scale. Yeah, You've got the pressure. When you, take up, when you take someone else's money, the game changes. Yeah. yeah. Where it, where it really does change, right? You've got a lot of other pressures. And, and you're yeah. right. Most, most don't quite make it. Um, you yeah. know, it's a hard and, and, game. And and no fault of the founder or the the entrepreneurs, right? Because it's 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 just that much harder. Because uh, yeah. the moment you're trying to start building a company that's worth hundreds of millions of dollars or pounds or billions of dollars, you build that company in a way where having a five or ten million dollar outcome is not success; it's a failure because you've yeah. raised yeah, yeah. more than that, right? And 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 you've burned it pretty inefficiently. So now you have no choice. That's true. Sure. That's a lovely place to end, my friend. Lovely place yes. to end. Of course. Um, of course. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Really interesting conversation. I, I really yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I'm sure you won't mind, but anyone want to follow Sean, connect with him on LinkedIn. I guess you're probably on Twitter and all of yep. those places too. Um, yep. Really lovely LinkedIn's conversation. LinkedIn's the best place. LinkedIn. Yeah, my, my main yep. platform too. Yeah. Um, but no, thank you very much. Good luck with everything. Um, really good to thank chat. You. It was fun thank chatting you. with you. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed it. Please do not forget to subscribe in all the usual places. YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you like to watch or listen to a podcast. Any comments or feedback, please drop us a DM. If you've got anything that you want us to discuss, again, feel free to get in touch. 